Welcome to Champagne Problems. We're your hosts, Robbie Shaw and Charlotte Cameron. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we explore our mental health, well-being, performance, and longevity, and how our relationships with alcohol can influence each. No shame, no labeling, no judgment, just curiosity. Welcome back, all you truth seekers. Boy, do we have a special one for you today. In a moment, we're going to be speaking with Callum Morrison, founder of the Extraordinary Adventure Club. Callum spent his early life in the highlands of Scotland, where he immersed himself in nature and was a member of the mountain rescue team at the ripe age of 15. He then was an instructor for Outward Bound for a number of years and then trained and joined the Royal Military, which is some of the hardest training you can do in the UK. In 2010, he founded Extraordinary Adventure Club, which provides bespoke and revolutionary programs of self-discovery and self-mastery in remote wilderness locations. What does that entail, you may ask? Let's go to Callum. Callum Morrison, welcome to Champagne Problems. Thank you. Thanks very much, and, uh, and a pleasure to join you guys here from the Highlands of Scotland, and, uh, and for having me. Yes, absolutely. We're uh, we're very excited to have you on and and learn all about not only the the company and 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 what all you do there, but really I'm um, I'm excited to dig into your your why and and why you created this and the mission and the people you serve. So that is exciting for us because I already know a little bit, but I'm 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 anxious to dig deeper. Um, but first, we're going to get to know you a little bit. <laughs> So we've got a okay. uh, a couple of really fun questions for you, Callum. Okay, okay. <laughs> go, go ahead. All right, I'm not very good go. at talking about myself, but here we go. Uh, they're, they're pretty easy. Nothing too complicated. Pretty no. easy. The first question is, what was the first live music concert and where? Uh, first live music concert was in Eden Court Theatre in Inverness uh, <laughs> to a band called... Poweridge, I think they were called. There's a friend of mine at school who was very much into his music, and it was some wasn't really my style of music, but some very electro pop band. And I think the the uh, so this would have been in the early '80s, um, and uh, yeah, wasn't really my scene. And I, I think judging <laughs> judging by the number of people who were there, it wasn't really the scene of too many others either. So, Power Ridge, uh, Poweridge, yeah, with a with a. I remember it had a lightning um, Poweridge. Love yeah, it. lightning sort of strike. But then uh, the first proper concert was Motorhead Ooh, uh, nice. in Glasgow. All right. What food is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure it would be crisps in whatever form that is. So mm. chips um, and, uh, and chocolate. It'd be very difficult to decide between the two if I had to, which one that would be, but dark chocolate. Yeah, me too on crisps. Any any yeah, fried potato, yeah. really, but yeah, in particular yeah, crisps absolutely. in the UK, and, and it's just so much better than America. Yeah, we eat millions of tons of the stuff over here so <laughs> each year. Yeah, good one. All right, uh, what can make you lose your temper? Generally, it takes takes quite a lot for me to lose my temper. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm blessed with with a significant amount of patience. Um, I think for me, it's probably an attention to detail or a lack of an attention to detail mm -hmm. would make me lose my temper. Um, <laughs> but very rarely does that happen. Uh, or if pushed into a corner uh, would also make me yeah. lose my temper. You know, if you if you push me into a corner, the answer is always no. Mm. Uh, yeah. That resonates with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine yeah. with, so, with your background and your experiences, you've you've got to practice a little bit of control. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and try not to, I think, uh, you know, losing one's temper is, is not necessarily a, a good thing. Sometimes it works. And there's been times in my life where losing my temper has been a, a positive, but more often than not, yeah, you don't make good decisions when your temper has gone. No. Yeah. What is your favorite word to describe things that you like? Simple. Mm. Simplicity, simple pleasures, simple things. Uh, uh, you know, life's not necessarily too complicated. Happiness isn't complicated. It's those simple things, and and uh, and recognizing those. I think we we seek increasingly complicated ways of achieving happiness or satisfaction when actually it's the simple thing. You know, sitting outside in a, a beautiful sunset or birdsong, or uh, for me, you know, very much joined to to a connection to nature and being in wild spaces 
sitting with good friends or uh you know a good book but yeah simplicity i think would be would be the word that i would use mm. i like that golly that's good great answer <laughs> uncommon answer yeah <laughs> all right last but not least if you could know the answer to any question what would you ask i think I mean, part, partly, and I'm going to, uh, rather than any large uh, uh, sort of esoteric or philosophical question, um, that my children, you know, would be okay uh, and that they'll be happy and fulfilled going forward uh, in their lives, I think. To know that, I mean, part of the joy is the unexpected in watching as they develop and things happen and how they react to it. So I think predict, having things predicted is not necessarily a good thing, but for my own um, sense of self as a father, I think that would be one that I would would ask as a question. Um, another one that I ask myself often and have, have used and sat with shaming in the jungle or, or uh Know, which doctor in, in 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 a part of Africa or, or spiritual leaders elsewhere is? Am I on the right path? I think mm. that's another question that I've asked myself, and I've not had a definitive answer, and, I, and I'm still on it, and I'm I'm still wondering. So uh, you know, it's still both, like that answer. both senses of the word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the answer's got to be yes. You just yeah. have to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder though. Yeah. Like, Shit. Am I? Am is I this really the right thing that I'm doing? <laughs> I'm on the right path. Love it. All right. Well, now we know you. Um, so let's move on. Is that it done now? That's a That's short it. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, no, let's. Um, so let's let's hear it from you. Let's let's. I'd like to know a little bit of your background. Um, you know where you're from, but more importantly, what led you to where you are now? If that's somehow <laughs> easy to summarize. <laughs> Uh, grew up in the in in primarily for much of my life in in the highlands of Scotland and in the mountains and if not there we spent a bit of time in South England uh, escaping to the mountains uh, at the at every opportunity so um, yeah a lot of my life has been involved in exploring those places and and uh, feeling the benefit of that though as your when you're younger, not necessarily able to articulate what that means and, and having adventures from an early age, of, whether it's my father thinking that he's an early version of of, of Ramirez or Bear Grylls and taking us on an adventure sort of survival thing and properly having to survive because his organization was rubbish <laughs> and he wasn't he wasn't a survival expert as we quickly found out. Uh, uh, to climbing, you know, at an early age, I was in a mountain rescue team up here from the age of about 15. Um, oh, wow. and um, uh, yeah, spending my time just being and living in the outdoors and it wasn't until I worked at Outward Bound I did a number of expeditions when I was in my sort of 18, 19 went off to Panama and hiked across the isthmus from the Atlantic to the Pacific through the jungle and lived on a coral island was out there for about three months um, and then came back and worked at Outward Bound and it was whilst there seeing the impact of um, being in the outdoors or creating a curated experience and the impact that that can have on an individual in terms of uh, shaping them you know, greatly and, and, and the impact um, uh, and the outcomes from actually what is quite a simple process of leaving people on their own in an unfamiliar environment and dislocating their expectations and seeing at that stage we had some guys who'd been in trouble with the law at a young age and they came back and one or two of them were crying about the impact on their family or their community and what that actually meant and for me thinking wow I mean fuck me this is them just going out doing what I'm doing on on for fun and uh, and so that then planting a seed for what I now do in my in you have to go off and have your own adventures and and find the ages of yourself I mean I, I called it the extraordinary adventure club because I believe that the most extraordinary adventure is the exploration of oneself you know finding the edges of yourself and stretching that thereby shaping change and for me that manifested itself in hitching across Africa when I left university uh, from Morocco to South Africa sort of hitching and traveling and working out there um or and uh from yeah ended up down in cape town and came back to join the royal marines uh as a as an officer uh, and go through that training which at the time was the longest and uh, arguably hardest initial military training and for me it was about you know finding finding the edges of myself you know what are you capable of doing um recognizing that uh, you know you're 
mind gives out before your body does, what it is that motivates people uh, in an extreme environment, you know, why they fight, um, uh, what drives them, um, and uh, yeah, what you're capable of, you know, and really pushing yourself and really challenging yourself uh, in, in a way, you know, I don't have any military background, I was never involved in any sort of organisation like that, but for me it was a pure kind of expression of of that exploration of myself. Um, well, I was curious what you were the most surprised to discover about yourself during that process. Um, I think what I was capable of, actually, you know, you, you what you're capable of doing um, and creating the right mindset. So it's all about mindset. It's all in your head. It's not necessarily, yes, you've got to have a physical ability, um, but it's, it's the ability to... Um, develop resilience and a self-sufficiency and a confidence that you have and that confidence coming from like building competency and skill uh, and at each moment you're you're you build that confidence by doing something that you didn't think possible and then what else can I do and if I do that then what else can I do and if your body will do whatever you ask it to you've just got to ask it the right questions and it's about framing those questions in a particular way during that period that allows you to overcome uh, things that you didn't think possible um for your for yourself so i think uh i think that was it and how quickly you can build a group of individuals that are absolutely fundamentally connected to each other um and that was over 30 years ago that i went through commando training um and they're still you know my closest friends now yeah. um they're like brothers you know we, you, you, there's an authenticity in a relationship like that you can be yourself because mm-hmm. everybody's seen you at the very essence of your being so there's no there's no ego necessarily you know you get called out um on that so i think that was the thing that you could just within a pretty short space of time um and that the development of a, of a dark humor to overcome any uh anything and and just, just innate confidence that you have to be to to, to deal with any situation um mm. Wow. And then that carries it through with you into to now, you know, and I still I speak to one of my friends from that time now and about how, you know, operating on the edge of chaos and enjoying that and being comfortable with that um, and the ability to keep pushing through, uh, you know, just improvise, adapt and overcome and just do that. So for me, that was a real, uh, yeah, that was a real learning. And it's also kind of going from a, what, uh, you know, climbing climbing traveling guy you know with with no sort of living in the desert in namibia before i flew back to um before i flew back to start military training and having to get my hair cut and i remember my um first line of my first ever report where they used to read it to you and then you would have the chance to read it and you'd both sign and the first line of my first ever report in the military was that lieutenant morrison has got a very unmilitary bearing and outlook and i said oh thank you very much sir he looked at me and he went it's not it's not, not a, a compliment. fucking compliment yeah that's right right okay i'll try and be less military <laughs> today's episode is sponsored by athletic brewing company america's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer have you been thinking about cutting back on alcohol but still aren't sure if near beers are for you check out athletic brewing the most decorated non-alcoholic brewer in the world Athletic produces a wide selection of great-tasting brews, including IPAs, Goldens, Darks, Lights, Sours, and more. Their non-alcoholic beers have won over 70 awards and are fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime and anywhere. Now you can enjoy great-tasting craft brews all night long and still be ready for whatever life throws at you tomorrow. Right now, new Athletic customers can receive 20% off their first order when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code CP20 at checkout by August 31st, 2023. I mean, all of this is leading up to to the company and 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 what you do for people inside of the company, but I do want to go back and ask one quick question. You know, when you provide the context of your childhood and the things that the adventures you were on and the the you know, unintentional survival, um, you know, that you were going through out in the wilderness. How much did that prepare you for the Royal Marines? I mean, obviously it, it, I know the obvious answer that it prepared you to some degree because you're pushed to your limits in, in various ways. But when you got to that level of training, which we know is super hard and it's, it's the, in America, it's the Navy SEALs and the special forces that we hear about all the time, but we also hear how, extremely hard it is 
So were you prepared maybe more than others as a result of your upbringing? Yeah, I think in some sense that helped because uh, being uncomfortable, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. So when you're out yeah. climbing in the winter here in Scotland, you know, you piss wet through, you're tired, you're sleeping in a in a shitty sleeping bag, you know, or you're bivvied out somewhere and, um, you know, you have to endure a degree of hardship and get up in the morning and look after your equipment, you know, and look after yourself. You buddied up with your climbing partner, all those sorts of things that you So Yes, that, that definitely helped. Um, and being again, yeah, being outside and being comfortable, sort of living outside and working. I grew up on a small farm, um, and my mother's Norwegian and she's hard as nails with and has a particular kind of work ethic too. That I think then, yeah, that helps. And you know, that we, I, I suppose, in some ways, there's a, there's a similar with those guys that I was in training with, you know, there's a similar core of us uh, or core of our individual characters that is similar. Um, and that the training kind of shapes that, sees the potential and then develops that potential for you. But yeah, there's still moments when you're lying in bed and, you know, your body's aching and you just think, oh, you know, I can't. You know, <laughs> or particularly on holiday where you've had a bit of time off and then you think, oh, I'm going to go back. And I know on the first day I'm going to get thrashed in the water and being run up and down sand dunes and all that kind of thing and be throwing up or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it did prepare. And I, I did quite a lot of uh, competitive running and athletics when I was uh, younger. So that sort of helps the physical element. But your body changes and, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you end up building muscle in places you didn't even know you had muscle. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so certainly it set me up for life. And that's all I ever wanted was to have an experience with that. I didn't really want to be in it for a long period of time. I wanted to have adventures and continue with that thread and use that as a kind of springboard I was always quite intentional with that and and when I left I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I carried these stories with me um and I believe you know stories are a measure of success and uh for me they certainly are and you know our lives are shaped by stories and experiences create those so I when I left I didn't really know what I was going to do and um I remember we my wife and I Isla uh uh, we were married and we had our first daughter I've got three daughters and I remember sitting in a bath in our flat in our apartment uh, in the south of England with about a month to go and kind of coming in and saying well what are you going to do you're leaving the military you've been in it for eight years you haven't got anything to go to and I'd, I'd gone to uh, you know the interviews for the usual sort of route which was like management consulting or some consulting of some sort or some military uh affiliated industry uh but i didn't want to do any of those things and i knew what i didn't want to do i just didn't know what i wanted to do um and as we're sitting there and she's giving me a paddington bear stare uh, <laughs> about what's going to happen in the future and the responsibility that i have a letter arrived and it was from the foreign office and it basically said you know your name's come up would you be interested in going to the observe the russian chechen conflict and spill over in the caucasus mountains so in Georgia so I disappeared off there for 15 months living in the Caucasus mountains wow, and um, uh, yeah lived uh, li lived out there for and anyway in sort of my my um, work then thereafter had been very much being in those sorts of environments and kind of liaison wondering uh, or working with individuals in terms of what makes people tick uh, mm. and affecting mutually beneficial outcomes hmm as you do eight years in the Royal Marine, and then you do some more pretty high intense consulting work. My, my curiosity is around how, how long that continues to translate over into your life going forward. And, and what I mean by that is, is I've done nothing as, as extreme as you have, but in my own relative terms, you know, I push myself to the limits. And I learn from that and I get and I gain confidence from that. And there's certain parts of my life where I can say, hey, well, at least I did that. So I'm still kind of a badass, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't last that long for me. I have to continue it. I have to keep going out and pushing myself and practicing that or, or working that muscle, so to speak. How is that for you? You know, after going through some of those very, very intense, maybe some of the most intense that anyone can go through, how long does that continue to, to move you and 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 create confidence in you going forward in your life um i think i think it stays uh, i think it stays with you it becomes layered into the framework of your life so i think it stays with you uh, i think it then creates this kind of skeleton of of confidence that you can then rely upon regardless of what's going on 
so the experiences that you have then mm. um yeah you can draw on those and think well okay i'm the person who has has done x or, or y or z and that then allows me to and i don't feel frightened by so uh, i do think that uh you, you, yeah topping it up every now and then does does sort of help but you have this framework and this skeleton and this deeply embedded confidence that allows you to then feel comfortable in those environments um and comfortable going to those places and mm. so i don't i yeah i think you you get to a level where where it's innate and then and and then uh yeah to 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 top yourself up i mean so you're saying uh, i need to push you... myself a little further is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> yes i'm not i'm not inferring anything but yeah uh, uh, uh i think yeah i think having those you know and, and um yeah challenging oneself it was a friend of mine who was at a talk about somebody was talking about courage and uh she stuck up her hand and said, when's the last time you did anything courageous? And he couldn't answer. So I think it's about being authentic too, you know, and in, in, in part of that, um, doing those things that, you know, satisfy you and are part of your, your DNA and not resting on your laurels. You know, it's not necessarily what you've done. It's what you can still do that's interesting. Mm. Well, we'll get into your company and how it works. But, and uh, you know, I know, I know a little bit, but knowing that, um, you're setting experiences up for people, you know, all the time. I understand. Are you still putting yourself into new extreme situations to continue that path? Or are you now able to mostly enjoy watching other people go through that process? Well, I've tried enjoying watching other people go through that process. <laughs> and uh, I enjoy being in those mm. uh, environments. I, I think, uh, you know, as, as I've got older and as we've grown, it's been uh, difficult necessarily to do that but I love being out uh, is why I started it you know I love being out with those individuals seeing that and and helping them in shaping that transformation but also being in those environments is where uh, you know I feel alive where I feel happiest um, uh, you know uh, Isla will not worry about me if I'm in Libya or in, you know, some jungle somewhere, but she will if I go to London or some big city. Because I'm more <laughs> yeah, at home much more dangerous. <laughs> much more dangerous and, you know, much more at home in those environments. So, yeah, I do still enjoy and go with, um, with, 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 with clients rather than watching on the sidelines. I think, yeah, the sort of vicarious uh, experience is, is nowhere near as good as the, as, as the actual as the visceral. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's dive in. Yeah. Let's, let's go to EAC. Let's talk about it. I would love to know, first of all, let, let's tell our listeners kind of the, the gist of the, of the mission and what, what you're providing people. Yeah. So essentially we're, we're, we're pioneers in the uh, personal development space with um, an expertise in curating these bespoke experiential therapeutic and, developmental programs uh you know to fit a broad spectrum of individual needs and and, and requirements um and uh you know we disrupt the kind of standardized approach that that exists in most therapeutic developmental models by dislocating uh and having quite a dynamic framework within extraordinary wilderness often the wilderness of remote settings and utilize this blend of uh, you know, developmental and therapeutic uh, methodologies within this experiential framework that drives positive change for individuals and, and small groups. And we do that all over the world. We've worked on five continents um, over the last 12, 13 years uh, with a diverse group of individuals, primarily and also selected small groups. Um, but yeah, we're big on resilience and self-sufficiency and uh, support them in creating change, lasting change, and writing new life narratives for themselves. So whatever they do with us is not a punctuation point, but part of an ongoing narrative arc. What does that process look like? I mean, I imagine somebody reaches out and, and I mean, really, let's walk through a little bit. I know it's different for every person based on what they're looking for or the situation they find themselves in when they reach out to you, but... What does that generally look like? How does that unfold? And what kind of people do you have on your team that help curate this experience? Sure. So 
the uh, it usually starts with a phone call and it's um uh, to to me or, or one of the teams saying that i'd heard about we work on referral uh, on a referral basis word of mouth um uh, and with either an issue for regarding themselves more often it's about a family member um and we'll have a conversation uh, around what it is that we can do and what the what what the issues are and um and how we might help and uh, how we might support them in resolving that or uh, scratching the itch that they have or or, or addressing the issue uh, it will then start with with a period of a of uh, onboarding and engagement with us in terms of further discussions and ensuring that um they're, they're suitable to come with us because there's a degree of physical ability it doesn't have to be huge but there's a degree of physical ability that's required and a degree of stability too if we're going into remote spaces we will work sometimes it's a clinical team that will call us so we'll work alongside the clinical medical team uh too and very they'll come to us in scotland northern norway or Mallorca, which is a place that we operate from primarily it's in scotland and then we'll run a kind of baseline engagement with them Will then allow us to identify further, you know, what the issues are, what are the events or the issues that have created the behaviours that are now not serving, um, what is, what do they want their future to look like, uh, you know, what, what, how committed are they uh, to it, um, so we can help them sort of unpick and then also look forward. And even within that that uh, short engagement, which is sort of five days long, there can be up to six of us working with them in a room in a location that's pretty remote in in that there's no phone signal we take watch and phones off so they disconnect to reconnect with themselves there's a degree of dislocation because that provides a degree of leverage um and uh um uh, and then that will allow us to then determine what we're going to do next and how we're going to do it uh the team that we have is multidisciplinary. uh team of, of experienced practitioners and we select the team specific to the individual that we're working with um, and then from there we'll determine a pathway and course of action uh, going forward that lasts often for for a long period of time and I'm, I'm talking years either with the individual or the family or if it's with a group with that particular group going forward wow um, wow so uh, yeah and it's very iterative you know it one outcome will determine the next rather than having it in a set trajectory mm. uh, that we have so when you say it could it could go on a, uh, years obviously not continuously so they would come and you would do you know maybe weeks or months out in the in a remote area and then come back and in that kind of cycle is that right um, it depends on the, it really does depend on the individual or the group that we're working with. It can be, you know, we'll have that initial engagement. Um, and then from that, we'll agree that actually, okay, every month now we're going to do four days with, with ah, you uh, every it. month. Or we're going to do actually a period of two weeks for for every six. Or we're actually going to say, we're going to recommend that you come for us for five days, but actually you're going to stay here for another 15 and we're going to continue to work through. We're going to bring people in specific to you. And, you know, we'll fly people in from wherever to make that happen. So here in Scotland, you know, you might have somebody who's come up from London, somebody who's over from Amsterdam, somebody else has flown in from Spain who are specialists in that particular field or that area that we're addressing with that individual. Uh, so we make sure that it's, it's um, yeah, specific to them. Um, and that's the whole point with that kind of bespoke program that we, um, we then uh, shape it according to them. And, change takes time you know so uh, people who, who come in i mean we had one guy arrive and within an hour and a half we'd gone for a walk from one of the places we use here in scotland crossed through the river uh standing on the other side and he's standing there and he's looking at me and he said and he's looking at this mountain he's sort of rocking back and forward and he said i'm just not feeling it i said are you okay he said yeah i'm just i'm just not feeling it i said what do, what do you mean he said well i'm just not feeling the transformation but like, fucking hell you've been here for an hour and a half you know, it's not going to, what do you yeah. expect? This mountain's going to go like, right, mountain, transform me. Reach right into it your It requires soul. endeavor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I'm not just, working. I'm going to fit in, it's not working. It's not working. I'm going to fit in transformation between sort of breakfast and lunch, and then I'm going to crack something else in the afternoon. You know, this notion of hacking, and mm -hmm. it takes time, and it takes openness, it takes commitment, it takes endeavor. I don't want to be too prescriptive in this questioning, but 
uh, meaning like that there has to be one identified issue. But it sounds like even people coming through their family. I mean, is there the people who come to you? Are they usually in a in a pretty tough spot? It's, I mean, are you are you looking at people who are sort of in the throes of issues with the legal system or addiction or something like that? Or, or could people just sort of be at a spot in their life where they're looking to reimagine what's possible and understand who they are and sort of, is it like that? Or is it, is it more like somebody's really in a, in a spot where they're in trouble and they need some specific help? It, it's both. Um, it's both. It's those that have, uh, they, they've come there at an inflection point in their life okay. or they want to improve performance or they have an itch they can't scratch about who they are. You know, they've sold a business. Some of my first clients were in that category who'd sold a business and actually, you know, felt exactly the same uh, and, and didn't didn't uh, understand why, having got to a particular point, you know, with a with a pocket full of cash and thinking, well, I still feel the same as I did and I still have this little itch I can't scratch about myself. So, you know, supporting them in addressing that and and making decisions and quality decisions going forward and supporting them in that process as they move on. Uh, to those that you describe, yeah, who are in um, in, in in crisis uh, or have issues that are really disruptive, not only for them but for their their family, uh, those that are in uh, addiction and recovery, and we've worked, excuse me, we've worked with some of the world's leading treatment centres over the years and aligned with them, working in, with their clients both in treatment and in recovery. Um, and supporting them in the process and building a framework for their lives when they leave uh, and anchoring to have good behaviors and building skills and supporting them in uh, yeah, life skills uh, going forward in this kind of transition. Because as I say, it's not what you're doing on the particular experience or the event, it's how you, trans how you manage that transition and how you implement that learning into your life going forward. Otherwise it, it becomes just an anomalous uh, exceptional exotic experience so yeah we work with both and um and have as i say individuals that we can bring in or teams that we can bring in or work aligned with those clinical teams should that be required to ensure that we have a coherent thread with what we're doing supporting them in challenging them uh, and uh you know still disrupting and uh, and dislocating in a positive way uh, you know, it's an egalitarian approach. Everybody's treated in exactly the same way, regardless of whether you're, or of who you are, whether you're, you know, a, an uber celebrity or not. Uh, you know, we're all, all treated. They're all treated in, in in exactly the same way. And our programs are such that we're living together and operating together in an environment where, you know, you're around the table and you're swimming in a river in the morning and you're, you know, doing your therapeutic session maybe walking outside or, or or in a way where where it's quite different to the normal environment but we know and we understand that that also creates significant lasting positive impacts for them because it's anchored to an experience which is embodied yeah that's incredible uh, all across the board wow um all right so it sounds like i mean you said you've worked on five continents it sounds like you've got access to the world uh, how do you decide? I, I mean, I, I get it's bespoke and it's customized, but when you have that many options, give us a hypothetical on on why you would take it to some faraway place that that matches what this person might need or or want. Yeah, I, I think um, there's sometimes a misconception that we're a, a you know the venture travel company that does a bit of coaching. You know, <laughs> right. Actually, travel. Travel, travel is, uh, and and the experiences are uh, purely a catalyst for change. So what we do initially is we think about what what is it that we need to do, how are we going to do it, who are we going to use to do this, and then where are we going to do it. So it's the destination is often last, um, and in some cases is irrelevant. You know, desert, mountain, jungle. It's what you do when you're there that's important. It's how you use that experience to lever change and keep that flexibility that allows you to do that. Uh, rather than being sort of dogmatic in in, a, in any approach. And it will often be something that we've identified, you know, they might let slip that they've always wanted to do, or they've, they've loved the cold and dog sledding, you know, it's been something that might just be a tiny, you know, a two second, well, longer than that, a, a minute conversation, or uh, that they, you know, a great horsewoman, or um, they've always been fascinated by going to Africa or, um, how you know, or standing up and learning to sing, and whatever it might be. So, 
so finding a thread of an interest is key too because that's going to pull them through when it's um when it is challenging because it will be at times and change can be challenging any change can be can 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 be challenging and and, and feel uh like in some cases like a death uh to change behaviors um so you need to have some interest to pull people through and and that's often those things that they enjoy doing so we'll ask them you know what do you enjoy doing what have you always wanted to do or where would you like to go or what place intrigues you and so trying to incorporate that in but they generally for particularly for as much as possible we don't tell them what they're going to do where they're going to go they'll find out when they get to the airport if they're flying somewhere you know pull out the <laughs> ticket and think i'm going to mongolia or i'm going to guyana oh or, my god um, you know wherever that might be um uh and if it's in if it's in uh yeah the uk or, or or mallorca and on a program again just not telling them what's happening the following day don't worry about what's coming next let us worry about that you just focus 100 on what's in front of you right now and give that uh and and give that your all even if that's doing nothing um because otherwise there's a uh, uh, wish to to know and this illusion of control so don't don't worry about that. It also allows us to change things. You know, we could keep doing what's working and what isn't, uh, rather than them thinking, weren't we going to go and do something on Thursday? <laughs> We're going to go somewhere or weren't yeah. meant to be in this village. And, you know, so take people's watches off because I remember it was one of my first clients in the jungle saying, weren't we meant to be at this village at two in the afternoon? And, you know, it's four. I was like, what difference does it make? You know, what else are you doing? We're in the middle of the jungle. Give me yeah. a watch. Um, so, uh, yeah, the world is is uh that uh playground in that sense and uh and using your imagination and being courageous and taking people to places that they wouldn't perhaps normally go to um or, or being in situations that are unfamiliar and it might be doing things that they're frightened of you know who are you fundamental questions that we would ask uh, who are you yeah um why, why are you here you know what's your purpose and function in life what are you frightened of what do you enjoy doing? How do you want to be remembered? Um, so through discussions that we might have around that, and um, uh, we'll, we'll figure out, you know, those things that they want to do. So it might be doing things that they're actually frightened of, um, yeah. and where we can demonstrate, you know, using those um, experiences to physically represent the metaphors by which they've been living their lives. You know, these these. Uh, ways of living this thesis upon which your life is based and demonstrating then is this is this working or is it not so uh, we had a, a guy actually did a motorbike trip in southern Africa from uh, Cape Town to Victoria Falls and most of it off-road with a guy that I know who's like Mr Adventure Biking in southern Africa and um, part of what we were doing was training to make sure that he was he was a motorbike he was a motorbiker, so he, you know, he'd done a bit of off-road, but we did some training with him with some of the BMW guys uh, down outside Cape Town. <clears throat> Don't know if either of you ride motorbikes, but I'm sure some of you On the back. Yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, part of that we were doing was like, sort of obstacle drills, you know. You, you So the look up, stand up, open up uh, the, 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 the mantra. So there's an obstacle. You look to your exit point, not at the issue or the obstacle because you're right into it you stand up so you lower your center of gravity and kind of face what's coming and you open up which is being loose on the bike so it can move but also giving yourself power which is counterintuitive for some if they've been riding on road so look up stand up open up anyway we were doing this this thing and it was a really steep sandy bank it had like an hourglass constriction of bushes and you had to get through this really tight space of bushes on this steep sandy bank hammering up there Anyway, this this guy, this client, as I'm standing at the bottom, he's just going up and smashing into the bushes and, you know, coming off his bike into the bushes, not making it through the gap. He must have done it about five or six times. And he stood up covered in dust, scratched face, his visor looked like he had a stick sort of coming out of the top of his helmet where between the visor. And he turned around to me and he said, I've been doing this all my fucking life. I've been doing this all my life. And I hadn't realized it to now. I've been seeing an obstacle and I've been just going at it. I've not been looking past the obstacle. I've been fighting my way through the obstacle and I've not looked past it at all. And he said, he said, it took me to come down here to do this, to re recognize that and to kind of feel what it's like. I'm a bit battered and bruised. I'm scratched to buggery. And, uh, but I've been doing this all my life. So he's now got look up, stand up, open up on his oh. desk on a, on a little 
Wow. So, you know, you can then embody that. And he looks at that and thinks, that's when I was there with these scratched and bruised and battered trying to get through this, this, oh this gap. So that's... It's like experiential therapy to the max. Yeah, it's, it's embodying that, you know, this kind of visceral embodiment of the experience and the learning that you can do by having those interactions, mm. uh, which is why they're key. And they can be small scale too. It doesn't have to be like that, you know. Um, but yeah, um, that's that's kind of how we would how we would choose. As I listen to you, I'm I'm just putting myself in in this position, and I'm and I'm imagining myself, you know, doing one of these programs, and what I would bring, and what I would want to talk about, and what I would be absolutely fucking terrified of, which would be what I need to bring, and yeah. it's it scares me to death, right? I mean, that's that's the point is. I don't want to go to those vulnerable places, even though I know I need to. Um, so I'm just kind of thinking about <laughs> what that would look like if I, you know, I think about your, the experiences you had in the British Royal military and it's like you get pushed to these limits and that's where you find yourself and that's what you're recreating here. And I mean, who's not scared of that? terrified of that i mean i'm scared of sharks and being eaten alive you're gonna <laughs> throw me out exactly where the that's a possibility probably <laughs> yeah i mean i think um yeah get that, and that's finding the edges of oneself and it doesn't you don't want to push through so you don't want to be so terrified you do nothing yeah. you want to just hold in a particular space where you've got that growth uh and it doesn't have to be i'm uh, you know perhaps making it sound like it's quite extreme it's not necessarily you know there's lots of periods for reflection and yeah. for integration and engagement and okay well what does that mean now and for you you know sharks and swimming with sharks and introducing a little bit and then doing a bit more and building success not just dropping you straight in <laughs> right. with a great way without a cage that. to touch its <laughs> nose you know and so <laughs> yeah kind of building success and then using that and you know why is it why where does that fear come from and uh you know mm. what else does that mean and where else in your life are you you know what's the great white shark in another area of your life Mm -hmm. um if there is one you know th that's the thing that you having those experiences allows for those coaching coaching yeah. questions um and it can be yeah does leaving people alone i mean we do a lot of things where we leave people on their own for a period of time in a, in a structured way and that can be terrifying because you're on your own with your thoughts yeah uh, whereas so often you know you keep your thoughts at arm's length by using a phone and being distracted all the time and by removing those distractions there is nowhere you can go but with your with yourself and doing that in a structured way and that that's often the most terrifying thing is to be alone with myself and my thoughts yeah and to face myself and actions that i've taken or not um but then having the support in an environment where everybody's focused on you to address that particular issue and that can be in a, in a nice house here in the highlands of scotland or you know in a villa in Mallorca or on a boat uh off the norfolk coast or whatever it might be um uh so yeah it doesn't have to be too extreme and obviously that's kind of you know as listeners and and on this surface level that's the excitement right that's and as a certified the, extremist yourself and as a certified <laughs> extremist you know that's where my yeah. my attention span goes and but i i totally get it. i you know i also am a professional in the mental health world and i understand that the value is the processing and the talking of it and, and the understanding and the awareness and that is where the value is and you know it's the experiences and then the 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 unveiling and the uncovering and the digging into why that wasn't a why that was a valuable experience that is the fascinating part and that is where what what lends itself to your team and that's i don't know that, that's just the fascinating piece of this entire mission is the this team that you've put together of, of these professionals that come in and and make sense of all of these experiences i love it i want to do it what's the discount code <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really cool. I mean, it sounds a little bit manipulative when I when I think about it this way, but I think as a therapist doing talk therapy, you sort of sit with people and learn where they are and you know, kind of hopefully see some openings for them that they maybe haven't seen yet for themselves and then go back and sort of I had a, a 
a supervisor once who said sort of like, you have to be with that person and walk with them on that path, even though you may see in advance that they're capable of getting to that space. You know, you can't just sort of say like, I'm over here. It would be great for you. You could come join me here. You really have to go back and walk with that person and allow for them to redirect if that's not the right direction and things like that. And I think hearing what you all are doing, it's really such just an experiential version of that, right? Like talking to people, understanding where they are seeing possibilities. If you're in this experience, you know, I think that might allow you to reimagine your or gain a deeper understanding of how you view the world in this way that's potentially creating some sort of, I don't know, barriers for you or something like that. And then constantly reassessing as they go, right? Like, well, actually something new came up and that's something completely different than we understood before about how they look at the world or the challenges that they're constantly encountering. Um, it's just really cool to hear how you guys are doing it in such a way that incorporates so many therapeutic techniques, frankly. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, you, your point about walking the path, you know, you can physically walk the path with them and we're out doing it. So you were out walking the path whilst we're talking with them, you know, it's that sort of Aristotle's Lyceum's peripatet peripatetic philosophy, yeah. uh, you know, moving your body and moving your mind and the impact that that has um, for them. Um, yeah, so doing that and you can actually then as I say, physically demonstrate. So and we, we change tempo. So you might be outside and then you'll be be inside by the fire with a much more uh, uh, sort of normalized therapeutic environment um, and bringing in whoever it is that we believe can can help. And everybody needs something different. There's no one, one methodology or modality that fits all. And so having people that can utilize a number of those or have a significant experience or, or a particular story that uh, you know, we're always looking for the slightly unusual in the team makeup too, who have that applied experience that they can bring um, very often they themselves in, in, in recovery or have lived through that uh, and can speak from a position of, of strength and, and, uh, and experience and, and are happy doing it. Not everybody's happy doing that kind of thing in the middle of the desert. So, you know, taking your your bespeckled, uh, bow tie wearing Swiss psychiatrist with his tweed jacket and sticking him in the middle of the jungle is not always yeah. you know, what they want to do. So yeah. not every, everybody's happy with that, yeah. and they're relatively, uh, relatively unboundaried sometimes too because you're living with them. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, so so talk therapy is part can be based on what that particular person or group's needs are, but sometimes talk therapy is part of what's sort of. In, in this package of their experience. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, and coaching and ongoing coaching, you know, some people come and they have an experience with us and actually, you know, we uh, talk about things that are relatively high touch or quite intense, but actually there's quite a lot of uh, low touch where they'll come and have an experience say, do you know, that five days, perfect. Or those two days, absolutely brilliant. Just now I just, a bit of coaching follow-up would be really good to just implement some of that learning and support me through that process. And sometimes that can go on for a period of time where, uh, uh, you know, yeah, months or, or in some cases years, but just having that sort of ongoing support. So for us, it's about everybody being part, once they're part of the, have been on the experience, you know, they're part of the organization and uh, part of our sort of life library of experiences and, and uh, us in there. So, you know, this connection that we maintain with them and, my first client I'm still in touch with, and that was 13 years ago, you know, and we see each other. In fact, we're going on a motorbike trip later this year, just he and I to Chile. Wow. Do you see this expanding further out um, to, to more and more demographics? Yes, I do. I do. Um, I also, uh, yeah, I mean, I recognize the kind of skills required to build or come up with the idea and, and, and the creativity around the programs are not necessarily the skills to to build and grow an organization uh, to, to to scale but yeah we want to work with more people we want to have um uh impact over greater and different demo demographics um uh, we have started working increasingly working or being asked to work with younger and younger people and i think that's uh something that is, is slightly alarming um, in, in terms of the issues that they face or are facing mm. um, and the severity of those issues at quite a young stage uh, and the complexity of those. And um, yeah, so I think that's something that we're being asked to do and, and, and are doing and have been doing. I think working in different geographies too. We've, we've um, done some large scale long-term projects in the Middle East for groups out there of youngsters. 
uh, of youth. So yeah, to be able to offer and do that more, uh, absolutely. Uh, clearly, I can't clone myself, unfortunately, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and building teams around that. Um, but that's certainly something that we want to do and, uh, and will do, yeah, going forward. Yeah. Um, well, it, 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 you know, early on we were discussing, or Charlotte asked the question, you know, is it, is the, whether there's a majority or not, what's the, what's the difference in who, who's reaching out to you? Or is it people with problems or is it people that are looking to grow? You know, and I know it's, there's probably some gray area in there as well, but, you know, I could see, you know, my family unit, while we don't have a bunch of issues and a bunch of problems, we would love an experience like this to grow and learn and learn more about ourselves and boost us forward into life. That, that sounds like a somewhat of a sweet spot. I mean, I, you know, we would do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, and indeed, and and we have done and uh, and and continue to, and we'll work with more um, families in in that regard too. Um, you know, and working with the individuals and then with the group and supporting them. It's a bit like a jigsaw piece. You take out one piece of the jigsaw and you change that shape, then it doesn't fit back in again. So mm-hmm. you need to change sort of everybody in a, in a, in a positive sense, you know, and then be reshaped in some way. Um, so yeah, I mean that's certainly something that we we have done and will 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 continue to to do um and increasingly to your point i think when i first started it was more around a sort of want rather than a need and increasingly over time it's become a, a need and more acute and mm-hmm. in, increasingly the the conversations that we are ha- having are are around um those with with needs and sometimes quite acute and immediate um uh, so that's been an increasing trend, and as I, as I say, one of of people being younger and younger. I mean, with it being so customized and comprehensive, I imagine there's quite a high barrier to entry financially. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean that's all relative, but yes, I mean I would say that the it's it's, it's it is expensive, um, or it is uh, a cost which then reflects the level of um, of uh, um, attention and. The, the intensity um, of the uh, of the program and the fact that it's completely bespoke in, in you know a number of other environments but we also do group based work uh, we do work that's related so that's that's a lower barrier to entry in that sense and so we can do group based work um, and we also have uh, um, yeah some some other kind of you know shorter events that we would run that are essentially sort of a taster type when when you say group based is that sort of like you know we've got a small maybe we're we're a startup company we've got we could not do this no <laughs> we're doing it we're but doing it you would hate being out there with me um but uh maybe you know you need it. let's That's say yeah well i probably do need it but i think that you could just do like a much more extreme version than i could um but let's just say you know like we had a te- a business small business team of four people or something is that is that the group set up or is it sort of like i'm looking to join a group and i may be placed with several people that i don't know but you've decided that this group has some dynamic that may work mm. Yeah, so it's both. We would cu- okay. curate it so it would work, or, or yeah, four. Try and do it in multiples of four. You know, four or eight. Generally, not go higher than than, than that. Uh, maybe to twelve. But then, then that's a sort of self-supporting um, group that you can do quite a lot with. But yeah, eight would be yeah the the the, the kind of sweet spot for us as a in terms of a group. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the kind of the impact that we have. In that time, and you know about the 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 cost associated with it. You know, it's the the quality of the time and the quality of the people that we put into that, and the impact that you have over um, over a pretty short period of time versus uh, ten years of ongoing therapy, where you're maybe seeing somebody once every few weeks or once a month, yeah. where you can really shift the dial. Um, uh, yeah, for 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 us, I mean, one of the things that we use sort of analogy around compass bearing. You know, finding out that compass bearing that you're on, and if you're a few degrees out over time, uh, you end up a long way from where you want to be, and you can demonstrate that quite easily on a, on a boat or out in the mountains. And so, about us bringing, you know, in terms of shifting that dial, bringing people back onto their compass bearing in terms of their values, those visceral non-negotiables that you need to have in your life to make your life what it is. So. 
doing that over a very short period of time and then giving them the skills where they can bring themselves back on to so they're living a life aligned with their values um, rather than being misaligned and lost somewhere in a metaphorical miss yeah. and, and bog you know yeah oh i like that idea that the longer it goes on the further off course yeah. you're getting yeah do you do these in america uh, we have done. We've done a few, but not many, actually. It's one of the, to your point about growth, it's one of the areas that we would look to to to, to grow into. I mean, we have American clients that will come to us in wherever it is that we're running them, but we'll come here to the UK or into Europe. We've done a few things in America, uh, but not many. Uh, but yeah, it would be somewhere that we want to go. Well, let's discuss that sometime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, where is it you live again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Callum, this is absolutely incredible. Um, thank you so much for your time. We're going to have to wrap it up here. You are, man, you're just, you're just a badass. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> I, I like to describe my guest with multiple words, but I'm just going to stick with badass. Um, Thank you for coming on. Thank you for explaining everything. Thank you for going through your past. Thank you for going through some of your experiences that led you to where you are. We really appreciate it. We've got one final question, which is kind of what we call the power question. Callum Morrison, why do you care? Yeah, so why I care is because I've been in a situation where I've been completely sort of uh, <clears throat> lost and uh, unraveling, you know, have been so far off my compass bearing that the story that I told myself about my life and the reality of the life that I was living was so divergent um you know the person I looked when I looked in the mirror uh not necessarily recognizing me as as, as an individual and I was so far off my values and so you know so far on a different bearing and no amount of money in the world can medicate against the way that you feel um uh and you know the story that you tell yourself and the story that you tell others being so different and Actually, it was uh, I just felt myself unraveling. I remember being in, in a particular experience where I felt myself sort of uh, physically unravel, like somebody taking the edge, the hem of a, a cable knitted jumper and was pulling me apart thread by thread. Uh, and as I was walking um, and barely sort of made it to the other side of this bridge that I was on um, and didn't know where to go for help, uh, didn't know who to speak to for help, probably incapable of asking for help because of some elements of my background and thinking that I should be able to fucking work it out for myself and spent a lot of time sitting on a beach. In fact, the beach that I talked about at the beginning um, with a notepad and pen. I remember when I came back from that particular experience, I was abroad at the time. Uh, and uh, my wife looking at me and just saying, whatever the fuck it is you have to do, just go and do it. <laughs> because, you know, we can't live in this particular way. So I notepad and pen on a, on a beach in the north of Scotland, trying to sort of pick my, pick unpick those threads to then pull those together in some sort of coherent whole and um and then recognizing that actually what is the point of you know stories are only of any value if you share them uh and i wasn't sharing them with anybody and um you know we see ourselves in 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 other stories stories we dream stories when we sleep um and you know for me it was about sharing those or sharing that experience and giving a vehicle for sharing those experiences um, with with others and friends of mine that I'd met who were kind of lost were at a particular age and particularly it started with with men you know men of a particular age where those um, uh, normal measures of success had, had kind of not been reached and were falling or, or for, had fallen by the wayside they didn't know who they were and it was about how to support them so that's how it started and then it's you know you have this ability to create these experiences that then have enormous impact and that that then the effect of that impact on some of those individuals we work with who run huge organizations or big family businesses, you know, that has multiple effects on those that they work for. And that's what drives me. It's, it's the impact that, uh, that, that we can have and the support that we can have and the positive engagement that we can have with those individuals and seeing that within them. Um, and, and then the, the outcome of that, and it can be challenging and it can be difficult for, for us too, but that's, you know, that's why I do what I do and, uh, and, and the ability to do it in, in amazing places and show people that and show them another way of living uh, and another way of thinking and, and creating a new story and a story where they have a blank page and they're holding the pen. It's not being written for them by somebody else, but they're writing it themselves. So for me, that's what, what always drives me. And 
has always driven me. It's been a curiosity that I've had about people and places and uh, and for me manifesting itself in in a way that then supports them. It's, I'd got to a point where I was thinking, well, what's the point of my life and these experiences that I've had and what am I going to do with them? Because otherwise mm-hmm. they're just a collection of things. And um, so yeah, using them to affect and, uh, and I don't like being the center of attention. And I don't necessarily like talking about myself and I enjoy doing what I do because the focus is on others and I can put that focus into them and, and uh, you know, be selfless about that. Beautiful. You're an inspiration, Callum. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And and uh, I've I've never been called a badass before. So some of oh my military gosh, friends really? probably <laughs> well that you are that. Yeah. My, my children would take the bad off the front. I think that would be that probably, probably a better way of ass. describing me. But, yeah. but, but uh, no, well, thank you, and a, and, a, and a huge pleasure. And look forward to meeting you in person at some stage, either over, over the other side of the pond or or, or here. Thank, thank you so you. much. We really appreciate it. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the host and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. Visit Patrick Balsley's practice, saunacounseling.com, Robbie Shaw's practice, eventiderecovery.com, or visit theblanchardinstitute.com.